0: Welcome to the Defend the Fort podcast, a product of the Tigers Sports Network and Eagle Radio. It's over! Brent Hayes has
1: won the national championship! In overtime, 48 to 46, the Tigers have won the national
0: title! Four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, Brian Morris will jump it up. It is on the rim and go!
1: Can you believe it? The Tigers are national champions thanks to a shot by
0: Ron Moore. This is Gerard Welbrock, and we appreciate you joining us as we visit with current and former Ford A-State Tigers.
1: Two seconds, one second, that's going to do it. The Ford A-State Tigers are national champions. Fort A-State
0: The Defend the Ford podcast is brought to you by Diamond R Jewelry on the bricks in beautiful downtown Hayes. Snap is low, the hold down, the kick is up, it's gotten enough distance, will it get through? It is! Goal! It's good! He hit it! 56 yards! A career-long for Dante Brown, and we go to overtime! And our latest guest on the Defend the Fort podcast, former Fort Hays State head baseball coach, Bob Fernelli. Coached Fort Hays State from 97 through 03, 306 wins, all-time winningest coach in Fort Hays State history. Of course, uh, had a tremendous run, a national runner-up finish in 2000. It'll be fun to reminisce about Bob's days as the Tigers head coach and, uh, Appreciate you taking some time to join us for the Defend the Fort podcast.
1: Hey, no problem, Gerard. Enjoyed, enjoyed it. Um, kind of miss Hayes. It's a great place.
0: I always like when we have a former student-athlete on, just the recruiting process, how they found Fort Hay State and what that was like. And uh, for you as a head coach, uh, kind of that process, I know you were at Butler Community College and uh, uh, got a chance to come to Fort Hay State, obviously was a, a great opportunity for you. But maybe take us through that process and how you became the head coach of the Tigers. Yeah, well,
1: a lot of luck. Uh, <laughs> I was coaching at Butler County as a pitching coach, and I'd uh, been there five years. We just came off a World Series run in 94 and, uh, you know, had an opportunity, saw that job was open. Uh, my my head coach there, B.D. Parker, had gotten in touch. And I know Rick Drowing was from that area a little bit, I think Victoria. And he called Tom Spicer, and I think they interviewed two of us. And I don't think I did very good in the interview. <laughs> but between Tom, Rigi, and uh, the other Tom, Tom Mann. Uh, they gave me an opportunity and i couldn't be more happy and pleased with that opportunity and you know my wife and i just got married we moved into an apartment with green shag carpet and we got after it and uh you know enjoyed our time there and got an opportunity to become a head coach for the first time and i, I had been a head coach in the summers but first time in college and you know, I, I was ready and prepared, I believe, because of BD Parker, my my head the head coach of Butler County. So, I uh, was really thrilled about it. We got after it. I was probably a little too rambunctious when I first got there. I mean, as a, I think I was 27 years old and uh, got an opportunity to to do that. And you know, probably was a little hard on the guys there for a while. But I think we we it all paid off for us. Let's put it that way
0: you mentioned being a head coach you coached in the summer I think you coached against uh, the the Larks in in one of those world in fact that world series run they had and finished runner up you were you were the head guy at Butler so as you said you had a little bit of head coaching experience
1: right yeah I did in the summers yeah definitely I was at Elkhart for two years and Topeka for a year and El Dorado for two years and you know they beat us that one year, Hayes Larks, and uh we had a team that was like fifty and ten that year, and we got beat by the u s a team and had to play the larks next game, and they got us, so they got an opportunity to play for the championship and the next summer, I don't think we were any good, but we found a way to win the national championship in the in the summer, so you know it's crazy how baseball works; you just gotta get hot at the right time.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, you mentioned hit the ground running. Uh, Curtis Hammack, he had done a great job of kind of building the program back. They were respectable, and then he had a chance to get into the administrative world at Great Bend High School, which opened up the head coaching job. But um, he kind of he kind of got the program on some a good foundation, built some stable ground. And and you as you said, you kind of came in running full strength and uh, took it to another level.
1: Yeah, we were very fortunate. Curtis did a great job that year recruiting and, you know, we had some really good players and guys were a little, you know, they had a little fire to them. Let's put it that way. They they liked each other. They had a good time and they played hard and did the right things. And then, you know, we had guys have a special year and they feel, you know, Jerry Valdez was I don't know, I'm not sure if he was player of the year, but he was player of the year in our conference, I'm pretty sure. But uh, I think he hit 20 home runs and 96 RBIs. I think that's the most RBIs I've ever had a player have. So, had a special year, and, and other guys contributed and, you know, made that run to the first uh, regional. You know, I, I can still tell you, and I probably shouldn't tell you, but some of the things that the kids did in Mesa that year because we had we felt like we had to win win that tournament in Mesa, to get to a regional and we were down there and back then no cell phones you know so we we get done and i think it was arby's across the street mm-hmm. Everybody was waiting for the pay phone and telling their parents hey we're going to get the ch- get chance to go to chico california and play in a regional and uh so that i mean cool times with just the greatest kids you know some of the most memorable times are not only on the field but off the field that's uh, first time oh, people had videos and we, we did some things that probably weren't the smartest thing to do, probably get in trouble for nowadays, but they enjoyed themselves, and, and that's what made us. We became a family.
0: That's interesting you mentioned the payphones because I remember being on that trip to Chico calling the games, or excuse me, well, to Chico eventually, but to, to Grand Junction, and that's what sticks out in my mind after winning the conference tournament. And, and keep in mind back then, only three teams made it. It was hard to get into the NCAA tournament with such a small field. That's what I remember, everybody lining up and waiting to call home, call somebody, won the tournament, heading to the NCAA tournament, heading to Chico, California. That's funny you bring that up because when I think of that tournament run and there was some great games, beating Southern Colorado, all the excitement of that, wins over Kearney late at night, that's what sticks in my mind as well, how times have changed with cell phones, but that's what sticks in my mind, everybody waiting to, to make the phone call to celebrate the win.
1: Yeah, it's crazy nowadays. You're making making sure they're not on the phone in the middle of the game. You know, it's, <laughs> you got to battle that stuff. And, you know, back then it was pure, and and guys battled and fought through everything. And, you know, and, and again, I've been doing it for a while. And, you know, the kids, I feel like were just tougher back then. I think the cell phone world has changed all of us. You know, and. uh it, it was great to be with those guys. I mean, you talk about some dirtbags. You know, I always, I still to this day, when we have camp, talk about Frank Valdez. Mm-hmm. Frank Valdez is, <clears throat> I always tell him he's six foot four, two fifty, and he might have been a little less than that. So if Frank's mad at me, that's all right. I still love him. <laughs> but uh, Big can't run out of sight, and you know that that whole year he pretty much played first base for us, and I think he hit like three thirty or something. Had one double the whole year and stole 10 bags but every time he walked up there he believed in himself and i think that's the coolest thing about baseball the biggest fastest strongest don't always win it's about the right people and frank was one of those guys that maybe not a jerry valdez guy but he made our team better every day his smile on his face and how he went about his business you know ryan watsinger that year being a freshman I think, i'm not sure if he got hurt hit 15 or 20 times, but it felt like every time he got up, he stuck that left elbow out there and found <laughs> a way to first base. So, uh, you know, just some great times with great kids. And, you know, we get to stay in touch with, with a lot of them still, so that, that's always fun
0: made the regional you go to chico and obviously they they had been a, a power still are one of the top programs in all of division two baseball and it was three team regional mesa was there as well you beat them and kind of an unknown here are the tigers the new kids on the block and boy you went toe to toe with a really really good chico team uh, you beat them, kind of forced a winner-take-all championship, what turned out to be a best of three. Couldn't quite get it done, but uh, that was a memorable regional and kind of put four-day state on the the Division II baseball map.
1: Yeah, it really did get it started. You know, then you felt like you deserved to get there. We knew how hard we had to work each and every year, and then again, you lose a Jerry Valdez, which is a tough loss. But we brought in guys that gave us an opportunity to be successful and. Uh, they just that first group really taught the years after that how to play the game and how to play it the right way, it's how to compete, you know. And that's like I said earlier, the the best thing about it is doing the little things, becoming a family. And I think that's what started us is that first group because I wore those guys out, man. We we talked about the buffalo runs and the, <laughs> and the cones and you know, I mean they were a tough group at the end and they were calloused and and they played the right way and they battled. And then the next year, I think they pass that on to the teams. you know, in the next four or five years. And we were fortunate enough to do some good things.
0: No doubt about that. Uh, Tigers make that NCAA regional and start them on a run of uh, quite a few and eventually a national runner-up finish. We're visiting with Bob Fernelli, former A State baseball coach, the Defend the Fort podcast and as exciting as 97 was, 98 was a great year and kind of, you know, baseball can be a, a cruel game and you, 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 rolled, you win a league title, you win the conference tournament. It was out in Colorado Springs at the triple A ballpark. You, you win it in three, you go undefeated and felt, Hey, this was a team that's going to make a deep run. And, and lose a game in the regional and, and, and go, one, I think, 1-2, and two and it, it was over. And so it can be a, a harsh game, and that was a great team even that next year. Nate was a senior and all of those guys, but it just shows you how um, you really have to, have to savor the success because it can be fleeting at times even when you're really, really good.
1: Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. Baseball gods, you know. I mean, we watch this College World Series going on right now, and Tennessee's a pretty good baseball team that went 0-2, you know. It just—it's about how you're playing at the right time, and then the baseball guy's got to be with you. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, we lost two one-run games, mm-hmm. maybe in that deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, we might have got no hit. Is that the year we got no? no that hit? was that was o
0: three. I remember that. That <laughs> okay. was at home. <laughs> was
1: getting no hit too. So that was a really good team in o three too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you got to be hot at the right time. You know, we we felt like. We, we had chances to go do something special, and it just didn't work out. But again, with those groups, man, you never hang your hat. I always talk about no what ifs, and, and I can't tell you at Hayes that there was eh, maybe one year that there was a what if, you know. And and we made it to a regional in '99, but we just weren't mm-hmm. we weren't clicking as a team. We weren't a family. I, I want to say we weren't a family. We were a struggling family <laughs> that that we battled a lot of little battles, and, and you could kind of tell that it did. a – you know, it kind of changed us. We went to that regional and got embarrassed, I think, in 99. Uh, I think we got whooped. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you this. They weren't good. They weren't good. And I think <laughs> it made us who we were in 2000. You know, they got through that stuff, and and I think it helped us. And, you know, then in 2000, you get you get a couple special guys, and you get rolling, and, and you make that run. And that's, that run was as fun as any run I've ever been on. And uh, those players – you know, sold out each and every day, and you know it just didn't work out that last last game. But that was sure a fun team.
0: Yeah, you you dropped slightly in '99. You had lost some key players from that initial group, but 2000 obviously ended up being a special year. When when did you know that that team had a chance to be really really good?
1: Well, I mean, I think we could pitch good enough to give us an opportunity, and you know, fortunately, we always hit in haze. I need to go back to Hayes. You know, we don't hit this play anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to happened. Maybe the bats changed or something. But uh, And the pitching's got better. But, right. uh, you know, we, we really did a good job, and uh, the guys continued to battle. And we just had a, a good mixture of guys, you know, a Dan Auckland, a Franco Martinez. Um, was that Vill- Villarreal? Was mm-hmm. that his year? Mm-hmm. I think all the guys in different years I'm getting old so yeah Bill Reynolds player of the
0: year I think that year in the conference yeah yeah
1: so we, we just had some really good players and they bought in and and we had a pretty special guy in Jason Patty you know that that made us better you know I think one of the coolest things you think about back then is before pregame he would always do the backflip <laughs> god I was so worried about him getting hurt someday, but he never got hurt and uh you know what for us but uh it was just cool moments, you know, you think in, two, in that World Series where, uh, you know, we started Dan Auckland against North Florida. I don't know if you remember this, but so we start him, and then I take him out because he's a pitcher slash DH, and then I put him in for defensive reasons later, which True. they let me do. In, in the Midwest here, that wasn't a big deal, but North Florida challenged and we had to replay the inning. I
0: remember the so long it, delay. <laughs>
1: oh, my God! And I thought, oh, man, I'm, gonna, I'm screwing this up, so... But again, that was the rule, and I didn't, nobody ever talked to us about it the whole year, so I never really paid attention to it, so, uh, but it was so cool to get, watch those guys get through that, never blink, just continue to fight, and North Florida was really good. I mean, they had some really good players. If you put us both on the, on the hoofs and said, which team's going to win this game? Well, everybody would have picked North Florida, but our guys battled, believed, and found a way to get through that, and then. You know, the world's – the the national championship game uh, just didn't go our way. You know, one thing we did was play defense for the most part all year. And we made some crucial errors and didn't hit, but uh, we wouldn't trade those guys for anything the way they played and battled all year.
0: You mentioned Jason Patty. I always remember and, and got to be friends with the Chico Broadcaster, and they still call it Black Saturday. You had to beat Chico <laughs> twice and did – a little storm moves in. There's a delay, but there's some light hail and rain falling. And Jason Patty it's a huge two-run home run. It was a home run. I can't remember how many were on, but it changed the trajectory of that game. But I remember with the storm and light hail falling before they delayed it for a little bit, that will always stand out. He was a great player, but that was one of the biggest hits in four-day state history.
1: Yeah, just amazing. That that day, that whole day, the double hitter that we had to play and- you know, you get through the first game, and who the heck are we going to pitch this game? And, <laughs> you know, the next guy steps up and then uh, just found a way. And, you know, I still think about sitting in the dugout. And not only were the uh, our players, you know, dogpiling, but if you look at it, and I don't know if you've seen any pictures, some of the old guys were out there. Yeah. The guys that started. So that was really cool, great experience for the guys. And And we got on that plane. I still drive by. In Wichita, I'm not sure what the Red Hotel is. You stay by the airport. Oh, yeah. But I, still, I drive through there to go watch summer games or whatever, and I look at that hotel, and that's where we stayed before we got on the plane to to go to, to uh, Montgomery. But, you know, just great times, great memories, and, and great kids and great men right now.
0: No doubt about it. It was a fun run. And you kind of brought up '03. 3 That was another really good team. You got a hoster regional, which was hard to do. It was hard to get in. By then, I think uh, they expanded the field, but... um, you know baseball can be tough and if thought that team had a chance to make a run you mentioned the no hitter against you uh, thrown against you by by uc davis but uh, that team had some special players and was uh really really fun and uh was the last year you had at fort Hays state but uh um it, that, that was a fun run unfortunately it didn't quite end the way everybody had hoped it would but uh an equally really really good team
1: yeah that was a really good team and man, we just, uh, we couldn't get over the hump, and who'd have thought we'd have got, ever got no hits, yeah. you know, especially at home, and the kid did a really good job, and then, okay, so we get beat. We can find a way to get through this, and I can't remember if they scored in the eighth or ninth, but we lost four to three that last mm-hmm. game. But, man, it, great kids again. We just had a bad day, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's part of it. You got to keep grinding, but That group was special. They had a lot of good players. I think Ben Tenney has hit 20, I don't know, I think 18 to 20 home runs. Mm -hmm. Had a really good year. But, uh, you know, again, that's part of baseball. You know, everybody's fighting to win something. It's not football. We're the biggest, fastest, strongest win most of the time. You know, that guy from Davis was probably throwing 83-85, but he could really pitch, and he got us that day and got us in the loser's bracket, and we tried to fight out of it. It just didn't happen for us.
0: We're visiting with Bob Fernelli, former A State head baseball coach, the latest installment of the Defend the Fort podcast. Uh, think back to the days in the RMAC, Mesa State, and obviously they're still a power in Division Two baseball, but can never beat them there. And then finally... Uh, you win a series, and it kind of felt that kind of turned the momentum as well. Knowing um, you beat them on their field—that's a great facility. They host the Junior College World Series there. But uh, those great battles with Mesa State and to finally, finally take you know win three out of four, win a series in Grand Junction—that was such a big deal for this program.
1: Yeah, it definitely got us over the hump, you know, and. Mesa, for the most part, played the game the right way. We got that little rivalry with Southern because they, they, they didn't play the game right the right way a lot of times. So uh, there were some battles in that conference. You know, Metro would show up every once in a while and be really mm-hmm. good. And Regis would be okay every once in a while. New Mexico Highlands could really, really hit. Coach Jones did a really good job over there. So it was a really good conference. You knew you had to battle every day. Now we had some road trips now. I mean, it was... <laughs> You know, I can remember, and this is probably, I don't know if I should tell you this, but we got home from Mesa, I don't know, about three or four in the morning on a Sunday, and we had already had Emma and Riley, and my wife was sitting on the top of the stairs when I got home at four in the morning and crying, and I was like, oh my God, what's going on? She told me she was pregnant again, <laughs> so, you know, we were just never home, itself, it seemed like. You know, we were we left on Thursday and got home on Sunday, and. You know, it was uh, just a busy time, but a great conference. When you went and played, you better hook it up. Um, The support in Hayes was unbelievable. They loved baseball there and took really good care of of our team and, and kept us in the right mode.
0: Hack the Park was always a lot of fun, and obviously the success of the program kind of lent to that. I remember um, against Mesa, and that that place was overflowing, one of the biggest crowds I've ever seen. But that was always a a fun event, and it's because the team had such great success, but kind of going with what you said, the great support, that was always a fun fun night, a fun game, and really a fun weekend whenever that series would be.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, I think we were probably the only place that sold beer. So uh, <laughs> yeah. there were some guys having a good time. The hill out there on the dike was was awesome. You know, I still talk to Jeremy Capo, and I think he was a leader of that game there for a few years. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just a, a great atmosphere. You know, our facility was good, and, uh, you know, people enjoyed it. I think we had good kids, so, so they came out and supported us. So just a great time at Fort Hayes.
0: And obviously, you, you had the calling to go back home, so to speak. Emporia State was your alma mater um, and had great success with the Hornets. I know folks in Hayes were sorry to see you go but understood why, and now you're at, at Pittsburgh State uh, with the with the Gorillas. But uh, it, it kind of started your career, your success for, with Fort Hayes, and uh, took you back home to Emporia, now on to Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, it's kind of been a crazy ride. You know, uh, yeah, one of the things about Hayes that I loved is, not only our neighbors, Randy and Wanda, but, uh, you know, you never had to lock your key in the car. You know, and I left, I think I left my house open every day, you know, I never worried about anything. It was just a great place. And then the opportunity to, uh, uh, to move to back to Emporia, grandma and grandpa, my wife's uh, family's there. And we had three young daughters at the time and it was probably a good move for us in that respect. And, you know, you think you're going to stay at Emporia forever. And, um, you know, I loved Emporia. Don't get me wrong. It was awesome, you know, uh, but you had to raise so much money to get to the next game. And, and Pittsburgh gave us an opportunity to, you know, not be a fundraiser and be a baseball coach. And so they built up some great facilities and we think we can do some good things here, but just like everywhere I've been we've got to become a family to be successful and I think we're started on that path we got a little bit further to go but we're excited about the future
0: been around I've been around this for a while obviously others have been longer but um, when I think of your coaching you had the ability I think to get the most and you talk about being a family it kind of goes with that but getting the most out of every player whether he was a starter whether he was a relief pitcher whether he came off the bench and filled a role but it just felt like to me by and large in your successful teams you you were able to push the right buttons and get the most out of all those guys which made your you're successful how were you able to do that I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way but it just seems like you're as good as anyone I've ever been around to to be able to just to get every drip out of every player on that roster
1: well, I appreciate that. It's getting harder and harder with Twitter. Everybody's got their own <laughs> ideas, but uh you know, I think the biggest thing is is a lot I, and I don't know if this is everybody's philosophy. My philosophy is they're all my little brothers, you know, and sometimes that's good. sometimes it's bad. If they're doing the right things, I'm going to have my foot in their butt. If they're doing the right things, I'm just a big fifty four year old little kid I want to have fun. I want to get them to compete. I want them to enjoy coming to the field every day. It shouldn't be a job. Now, it is a job sometimes when we're not playing very well. But for the most part, they should have fun. They should be the first guy to the field. They should enjoy going to practice, so on and so forth. When it becomes a job and they dread going to the field, that's not a whole lot of fun. Um, you know. And times have changed. You can't treat the guys like you did you know, 30 years ago. It's, it's a new era. So you have to adapt and change with that. And and I think I've done it a little bit, but I think it's, it's way different right now. And, again, I keep going back to the Twitter or the social media and everything, you know, where they get everybody else's ideas. I think that back then it was just pure. You know, now those 30 guys might be talking to each other, but they're not checking Twitter to see how you hit and <laughs> the launch angle and the soto and all that stuff. They just went and played. And they became a family a lot faster because of that, I think. Um, but it's just a matter of getting them to buy in, to believe in each other, to become brothers. And if, if we do that, then we're going to have a good team. If we don't, you know, kind of like 99, we were kind of all over the place at Hayes. And, you know, everybody had their own identity. Instead of our team has their uh, our identity as a team, we just were kind of individuals. And if we can get our team and our program to have an identity of the program and not an individual identity, then we got an opportunity to be successful.
0: Visiting with, with Bob Fernelli, former Fort A-State baseball coach, our latest guest on the Defend the Fort podcast. And, you mentioned some some names, some phenomenal players at Fort Hay State, but uh, one of the first uh, when you got here, you kind of touched on it, Nate Field. Uh, great shortstop, obviously became a phenomenal pitcher, was your closer, went on to the pitch in the big league, still involved in, in baseball as a scout. But kind of one of those those special special kids and uh, fun to be around. Great player, great competitor. Uh, but uh, neat to see a kid like that uh, take what he had here at Fort Hays State. Of course, started at Barton Community College and then go on to the big leagues. And I think uh, I think we're in Victoria for some of something. And and he he got his first chance to pitch in the bigs and actually faced Barry Bonds in in the first inning of his first major league experience. But really fun to follow his career and uh, had. To be special to to be a small part of that
1: yeah absolutely curtis did a great job getting him to, to haze and make me look smart so uh nate nate was just the ultimate competitor you know nate could have pitched a lot more in college but he was such a good shortstop such a great athlete that we had to do the two-way thing and it, it always i still think of it and i kind of got a guy right now and i'll explain this here in a minute but Nate would, when the game got closed, Nate would be over there looking in the dugout, shaking his head. I'm going. I'm ready. And, you know, <laughs> it wasn't any choice. Heck, I'm going to give give that to him. And kind of the funny thing is now I have a guy named Dawson Pomeroy, Derek Pomeroy, mm-hmm. kind of a, a really good player at Fort Hayes a long time ago. His son reminds me of Nate. You know, he's our third baseman. He closes for us. Uh, but he's the same way. He's looking over there. He's shaking his head. He's trying to take his his stuff off his uh, wrist and and go pitch. But just Nate was the ultimate competitor, both on the field and off the field. You know, everything he did was the right way and, uh, you know, played great defense. Defensively, it was unbelievable. Offensively, he found a way. It wasn't always pretty, but he would find a way to first base and uh, just a great kid. There's so many of those guys. I was kind of thinking about it. Uh, the other day, about Jerry Valdez, Anthony Vasquez, Jesus Villarreal, <laughs> Jason Santangelo, uh, Ben Tenius, Bill Russell. You know, nobody mm-hmm. really thinks of Bill Russell, but Bill Russell is the guy that first year we brought in a semester, and he was a huge impact to our program. Steve Isak, uh yeah. Ryan Wasinger, um, Dustin Dreyer. Dustin, I think, had five doubles in a game. I can't, or maybe five home runs. Maybe that's what it was at Colorado School of Mines uh, one year. So there were some great players, great memories. Uh, you know, and then again, the administration was awesome. You know, Tom Spicer was a guy that, you know, helped me through things. How I got kicked out too many times. So I had to sit <laughs> in his office and he had to tell me to calm down. And I, you know, I have turned to 180. I don't get kicked out very often anymore. I've grown up in my old age, but you know, I can remember sitting in his office. I think I got kicked out three times in a row at Mesa one weekend. Uh, but again, it's part of growing up and, you know, instead of him being mad at me, he talked me through that and made me a better coach, I believe, you know, to run around with Tom Mann and play noon basketball and (laughs) Reggie play noon basketball and, you know, just some great people there. Coach Cortez. you know, when I first got there, I took a master's class from coach and, and learned some football, but learned the mentality of things and, uh, you know, Coach J- Johnson's still there, and we'd always talk. And he's still a sour you know. And nothing <laughs> ever going to work for him. But he's a great coach and been doing it for a long time and winning a lot of ball games. So, uh, just a great place, great people around the community. You know, the nicest place I've probably ever lived in. Uh, so, just great opportunity at Fort Hayes, and we enjoyed our time.
0: Yeah, there were a few times you could you, know, you get a little fiery. There's probably some history with some umpires. It was very enjoyable to watch, <laughs> but, but, but when there was the yeah. boiling point, uh, you, you could kind of lose it.
1: Yeah, I could lose it a little bit, but, you know, I think the one cool thing, Nate Field's the only player ever got kicked out while I was there. Nate drew a line at West Texas A&M one time to an umpire got dumped, but that's my job as a coach to work with the umpires. It's not a player, so that's one thing. I've got. I've had two players kicked out. In, I don't know, 25, 26 years of being a head coach, uh, that is my job to run the umpires. And, and I think we're proud of that. And we haven't, haven't had that where maybe the whole team acts up, just Bob's being a dummy sometimes. So, <laughs> but I, I think that they, the kids respect that and they know I'm going to stand up for them at times. Uh, you know, I, I also think that I've learned enough that, you know, if, if you watch me now, if I get thrown out, it's probably because i 100% I'm right, or I'm trying to get the team rolling, one or the other. But uh, just it, it's changed over time where I think umpires probably didn't. Oh man, we got to play for you know Fernelli's team. He's going to go nuts on me. Blah blah blah. Where I think now they they know that I'm going to be fair, and if I come out, I'm probably right, or, or you didn't do the right thing. So uh, so I've grown up, Gerard.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad glad that that's finally taken place. I <laughs> appreciate it. You mentioned you know, coaching, and, and every coach, you've been doing it long enough. You start to develop a tree. You've had some guys that you've coached uh, uh, at Fort Hayes, Emporia, and other places that are in the coaching profession. Jared Goodale of Fort Hayes State right now. But that's always got to be, I would think, the, the, the truest compliment that some of those players you inspired enough to, they want to, do that and become a, a head coach, some probably a high school level, but several the collegiate level, and that's always uh, uh, got to be a pretty cool thing.
1: Yeah, we kind of – and this is crazy to talk about that. Uh, we kind of talked about it here in the office a couple weeks ago. I guess we were bored in the summer. <laughs> but I think there's uh, 29 guys that I've coached that are either co- – or, yeah, coached that are that are either coach in high school or college baseball. You know, and then that doesn't count, you know, a bunch – Trying to think, probably five or six scouts involved in there. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of guys, and I always tell them that piece of paper is going to feed your family someday. You know, as far as education-wise, and, and you know, it might, it probably isn't going to be in the game of baseball as far as playing it, but there is a lot of guys
0: making a living and
1: doing good things uh, in the coaching realm or in the scouting realm. So really proud of that.
0: And I do remember. Uh, every now and then you would throw a little BP for the larks when you're in Hayes, and you got to pitch a little bit to Albert Pujols.
1: Yeah, I tried to get Pujols to come to Hayes. God, I thought I, I <laughs> Wouldn't really do it, thought huh? we had a chance. I don't know who he's dating, but he kind of kind of liked this girl in Hayes, and I thought, man, we got a chance. And then he signed, but good yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, coached against Lance Berkman, and those guys have had some great players over there at Hayes, so. Um, You know, it was always fun to go out with Frank and and, uh, Keith and go out there during those times and shoot recruit, you know, be at the right place at the right time. That's what this business is all about. So kind of get lucky and you're only going to be lucky if you
0: work hard. Pujols may have been a game changer. If you could have gotten him, that may have changed a few things. Now, I don't even know what year that'd have been, but we'd have been better. I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> well, about about the early, the late '90s, '97. I think he played yep. for the Larks. It'd have been about '98 in that era. So, yeah, that he'd, he'd probably probably would have been better in '99. Probably would have been. Probably could have found a spot for him uh, in in the lineup. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Bob, hey, we appreciate so much you taking some time out of your day to, to join us. Great to, to reminisce about the your time at Fort Hay State. Wish you and your family continued success. Obviously, we hope you have great run of Pittsburgh State other than the weekends you play the Tigers. But really appreciate you taking some time to, to chat with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for calling me, Gerard. It was a great time, and, and I always enjoy my time at Hayes. So thanks for everything.
0: You bet. That is Bob Fernelli, former Tiger coach, the winningest coach in four-day state history. He's our latest guest on the Defend the Fort podcast.